0: and we all really need to encourage each other, amen. It's really, really important. Yeah, I just wanted to make just a little bit of an announcement before we get started. Well, I will say this. I love that I'm so thankful for this church. Let's give it up for the Rock Church. (laughs) Like, this has been going on for four years. Every year that we do it, it gets more powerful. Every year that we do it, it gets stronger. We were sold out this year. I actually had to turn a couple kids away. Um, but we, the, the director came up to me th- this morning and said he's gonna open up the camp, and now we're gonna have, now we're gonna, we're just gonna take over the whole camp. Yeah, because we, we, we took over a portion of it. And, and my thing is, you know, I'm not about quantity. I know everybody, a lot of people's more people, more people, more people. I'm more interested in quality. I, I want a quality contact with, with the kids and to be able to spend time with them but to have real ministry. I don't want to just have a bunch of people so I can feel good about the numbers on paper and I can feel good about myself. I don't believe that that is the motivation for ministry. I believe it's, it's quality. But, like, and the great thing about the camp is everything's tight and everybody's close, and it's, like, awesome. And so we've enjoyed that. But now I think we finally got to the place where we're us as counselors, like we know each other, like we, we get in there, man, and we love each other. We respect each other. We work together. I'm so thankful for these people. And I feel like what we've created is, is beautiful. And I think it's finally ready to, to expand where we can maintain the intimacy and we can maintain the quality and not sacrifice that in the name of quantity. And so they're going to open up the rest of the camp to us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to fill the whole thing and and we 're not going to turn any kids away, and we 're going to take over that whole four h camp and so and the reason that that is is is, is we 're able to do that is because the rock church comes in and and you know just Tammy with administration and Tom you know with with worship and 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 just all the people who you know people take you know Sonny taking pictures and the Crawfords doing everything and and the the names and the list go on and on and on, and Jody and everybody. And Shelby, and and I could just sit here in names all day for for people that are helping out. And Isaac brought just a powerful foundational word. We're working together, and I'm so grateful for this church, and I'm grateful for what you do, and I'm grateful for how you serve, because there's no way we could do this without you, and we're thankful for you. Let's give it up for this church. And then, also, I want to show you how God works. The reason all of this is happening is because him and I met at a conference. Me and Jerry, we met at a conference years ago, and we just we met, and immediately I just fell in love with his heart, and I, and I saw a father of the faith. And like we maintain relationship, we maintain fellowship. I'm actually closer to him than I was to the guy that introduced us. I love Lucas. Lucas is awesome, but you know, Lucas is so busy, you never see Lucas. He's doing a million different things, right? And that's good. He should be. But I want to I say all that to say this you never know when god 's going to bring someone into your life that causes explosive fruit, and what we 're experiencing is explosive fruit from one friendship that happened years and years ago amen and uh, and you know and grateful for him hey, and does he not have cool hair now? Look at this brother like he done he done leveled up, man like I could teach you how to bun it. You know what I'm saying? I could show you how to do the man. No, nah, I'm just kidding, man. But, like, you know, I like the hair, man. I'm watching on Facebook. I like look at Jerry over there, man. Y'all seen the cool pics when Jerry got the afro, though? Jer- he had the coolest afro ever, man. It's awesome. But anyway, we just love him and grateful for him and thankful for what God's done in this relationship. It's wonderful, man. And so... It's good, man. And then I just wanted to make uh, just an announcement. We, uh, we, we, my, we released our first children's book, y'all. And uh, this is a true story written by our family. And uh, it's a, a story about our dog who was a rescue. And uh, we just released that here recently. We've had this book written for about 10 years. And uh, we finally found an illustrator that we felt comfortable with. But uh, how many know that, that God will bring an animal into your life? And, like, you think you rescued the animal, but the animal actually rescued you. And uh, I just want to read you a small excerpt from this book. Uh, when When we finally got Jacob, we found him sleeping on a cold, hard concrete in a dog pound. He had never been on anything soft or comfortable in his life. And so now, every night before we go to bed, he carefully and painstakingly arranges all the pillows on the couch... To Give himself the absolute softest Possible place to sleep Every night Now Jacob's past he's no longer with us but when he, when he was with us this is what he did We never try to Stop him or get on to him about it We just let him fix his bed anywhere He wants This is an actual picture of Jacob On his pillows if You can see that you might be able to you might not Sometimes people are The same way We live in a world full of hurt people it's real easy to judge someone, but the truth is you may not know where they have come from and what they have been through. Sometimes we got to just give folks some space and let them have as many pillows as they need. Amen. Amen. So anyway, just we're, we have those in the back if you guys want to purchase one of those later. Every one of these books go to my son's college fund. Ethan, let's, th- let's send Ethan to college, y'all. You want to? It's all written from his perspective, amen, and just wanted to share that with you, and I think it's a blessing, and uh, amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 20, please, and you know, I, I've had a real busy uh, summer of ministry and had a real busy time here lately, and uh, camp obviously was busy, but how many you know God will, will meet you in your place of busy and still drop Beautiful things in your heart and I can't remember if I was in the shower I was driving or something, but God just dropped the message for this church in my heart earlier this week and um, and so I knew what I I knew what I was gonna preach really before I got here and um, How many know that? um, your life is a series of adjustments right wait tomorrow Jeremiah well I I drove an RV down here, and, you know, and it's all fun and good on the interstate, but then we get in y'all's area, and there's a stop sign every 12 feet, man. Like, what's up with that? Like, man, free the people from the stop sign, man. Like, I was riding with the kids, and I was talking to them, and I ran a stop sign hard. Like, it was like, I was just going. I was like, man, praise God. I'm sorry I repent, you know. But, like, once we get into y'all's area, there's a stop sign every 10 feet, but it's cool because I'm patient, right? But how many you know as you're driving, you don't drive like Tron, right? Anybody remember Tron? Somebody probably does. Thank you for those old people. Amen. Um, But, like, you actually, driving is a series of adjustments. A little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, trying to stay in the center, can I get a amen? Right? It's a series of adjustments. And so, God, He's a loving Father, and He's looking to Father you, right? And how many know that as we're here today, and we really focus on this on the camp, but it's important for all of us to focus on it? How many know that God is a Father? And how many know God loves you? And He loves you completely. And um, you don't have anybody in your life that loves you more than Father God does. He believes in you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you. You're his kid. I got three kids right now, and um, I, I I just love them. And you know I got a little little sixteen month old little girl who loves chocolate just like her daddy. She calls it chocolate. And like no matter what's going on, if we throw some chocolate at her, she's happy. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like you know we we use that wisely. I guess I don't know. Maybe not we like, we're trying to get her to be quiet. Give her some chocolate chips. Boy, you drop a couple chocolate chips on her plate, and it's just like, ding. And she just, she's suddenly sanctified, you know, and happy. I'm the same way. Amen. <laughs> chocolate people. At, at the end of the night at the bonfire, me and uh, Jeffrey were cleaning up, and we were going around, and I'm like seeing all these half-eaten chocolate bars. And so like the good dad that I am, I just ate all of them. <laughs> Like I literally did. we were cleaning up, and Jeff was like, "Hey, man in the yard, oh that's was... Like that is not an exaggeration. I probably ate like 30 chocolate bars, you know, and I felt like I needed it, you know, And so anyway, yeah, that's right. And so um, I mean, I lost track of what I was talking about because I started talking about chocolate. But anyway, sometimes, like my, my daughter, she gets chocolate all over her face. She gets dirt in her eyebrows, dirt in her hair. She's dirty. She likes to play in the dirt. But how many know that no matter how dirty she gets, she doesn't lose her value? No matter how many mistakes she makes, it doesn't change her identity. It doesn't change who she is. So just because she's dirty and crying, she's still my daughter. And I love her the same as when she's clean. So, this morning, I want you to know that God, He is a Father, and He loves you. And He loves you more than anybody's ever loved you, and He's on your team, and He's on your side. It's a fact. You might feel it today, you might not. Your feelings are irrelevant. How I many of your feelings are not good indicators of reality? How I many of you know, sometimes you feel good, sometimes you don't? I had moments during camp where sometimes I felt good, sometimes I don't. Somebody came up and said, Jeremiah, how are you doing? I said, I'm sore and happy. <laughs> Where's the ibuprofen? <laughs> Where's the coffee? Where's the pineapple juice? Tom turned me on to pineapple juice. I'm out there just chugging pineapple juices, trying to get my voice back, praise God. I don't know if it works, but Tom said it, so I believe him. You know. I, I didn't need to research it. I said, you need some pineapple juice. I'm like, okay, give me some. Where's it at? I started liking it. I'm going to buy some on the way home. Anyway. Your feelings are not an indicator of reality. Just because you don't feel like God loves you doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. Okay? So move past your feelings and and take a look at the cross. The cross shows you how valuable you are and how God feels about you. You were worth that. Amen? God has never loved you more than he loves you right now. And God has never loved you less than he loves you right now. Amen? Let that settle in, right? Embrace that. As you realize that, as you embrace that, how many Bible says we know the love of Christ, we are filled with all the fullness of God, right? One of the greatest uh, uh, impacts on your spiritual maturity will be how much you believe that God loves you. It's true. But as... A father loves, how many a good father loves, but how many all sometimes love is correction, right? Like if I didn't love my ki- if I didn't really love my kids, like I wouldn't care what they did. Like if I, if I didn't care what they did at it, it it all and never corrected them, how many of you don't actually really love them? You know, I grew up in a home where I got to do whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it. If I wanted to stay the night out somewhere, if I wanted to have, I mean, uh, the weekends, my my mom would leave with my stepdad. And I could just throw parties in my house all week. And everybody's like, man, I wish I had your, you know, your parents. I wish I had, you know, because I had all this freedom. But the older I got, I realized that the real issue was someone didn't care enough about me to actually give me some boundaries. And so correction is love. Because if you're going in the wrong direction, if somebody really cares about you, they're going to tell you that. Can I get an amen this morning? And so Father God is a father to all of us. And his fathering is, number one, love. Number two, he's going to confirm your identity. And I know I'm standing over here, but I've been preaching to these guys for four days. They probably don't want to see my face no more. (laughs) Amen. But it's all good. They love me. I love them. But I'm just standing right here. But... He will bring some correction into your life for the purpose of making your life better. How many know that wisdom is the principal thing? You know, some people were commenting this week and when we were at, I'm always looking for wisdom. And when I hear it, I'll be like, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And it, and, and it comes out of everybody's mouth. It comes out of counselors' mouths. It comes out of the kids' mouths. I'm looking for wisdom. Why? Because wisdom's the right way to do things. And when you get the right path, it's easier and it's better. And wisdom is just wonderful. You ever try to cut down a tree with a dull ax? You bludgeon it, and it takes a lot more effort to get it done. But how many you know if you sharpen that ax, the work is easier and more effective? How many you know what wisdom does is it sharpens you, right? And so, Father God is always looking to bring some wisdom into your life in order to make your life better, in order to make your life better, in order to make your life better. How many of you know there's wisdom in being a husband? How many of you know there's wisdom in being a wife? There's wisdom in being a father. There's wisdom in being a mother. There's wisdom in being a friend. There's wisdom. There's wisdom for everything, right? Now, here's the beautiful thing about God. How many know God, How you know God never forces wisdom on anybody? He just doesn't do it. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm the same way with my kids, too. Like, and I'm just the same way with pretty much just about everybody. Like, I, because if you force, now, you've got to draw boundaries and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. You've got to say, hey, we've got to, like, at camp, you know, lights out at 1130 and blah, 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 all that stuff. But, like, if wisdom is received and implemented from the heart then it will make that individual's life better it will make their act sharper and it will make their life better right and like you know my son for example Ethan you know I, I like to lift weights and stuff like that and so I've been I've been kind of presenting some wisdom to him like just little little things you know training and eating and stuff like that and uh you know he he wasn't necessarily ready to embrace that initially and and like'm I'm, I'm, I'm not into forcing anybody to do anything. I mean you know, if you force somebody to do something, they're not doing it from their heart and I, I mean and I know there are times when we you know, don't play in the street, we force that and all that, but 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 God's a father, and he's a gentleman, and he'll invite you into wisdom, but it's your choice whether you're going to take or not. and so probably about three or four months ago, man, he really embraced everything that I was talking to him about, about nutrition and about fitness, and he put on like 15 pounds of muscle in like three months. But, and what happened was he, he heeded the wisdom, and he applied the wisdom, and it made his life better, right? And so how many know that God wants to do the same thing for us? Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to talk about fitness this morning. Can I get an amen? I done ate 25 chocolate bars. I ain't got no room to talk to nobody about that. So don't get nervous. But the thing that I I, I am going to share is how many know that we all just, we want to, how many of y'all want to be happy? I mean, I I dare say that we all just want to be, we want to be happy, right? And there is this thing that the enemy tries to impose upon our minds. And it's not. Something that's of the influence of the kingdom of God, but it's something that's of the influence of the spirit of this world And if he can get your mind If he can infiltrate your mind and your thought processes and even your heart and bring you into this place Nothing in your life is going to make you happy I don't care what you have going on in your life if this mindset is embraced you're going to be unhappy no matter what you have. How many know that one of the things that we've, we've noticed or that popular culture has proven to us, how many know just because somebody's rich, just because they're famous, just because they're popular, just because they're good looking, just because they have influence does not mean they're going to be happy. We see people in Hollywood kill themselves regularly. We see famous people kill themselves regularly. And, you know, on paper and maybe through pictures, it looks like they'd just be the happiest person in the world. I mean, not that, just maybe like a year ago, a former Miss America took her life. She was beautiful. She was rich. She was famous. And um, so happiness is not the product of acquisition of things in the earth. Um, and, and, and popular culture has proven that to us. You know, I, I like, I, I quote this guy on the regular because I think it accurately describes the misery of someone trying to get happy outside of God. This guy named Trent Reznor from a band called Nine Inch Nails. I hope you have no idea who I'm talking about. Amen. <laughs> hey those couple nervous laughs, you know. Don't, go, don't Google it. You know what I'm saying? Brother needs Jesus. But very talented, but still needs Jesus. He said, you don't know what true misery is until you have everything you've ever wanted and you're still miserable. I mean, it is. What is that? That's the heart cry of a man who's gained everything this world can have, but doesn't have the one most important thing, which is Jesus Christ. And he was miserable. I mean, we, we actually see the same thing in Solomon's life. Solomon, rich, right? The book of Ecclesiastes is a beautiful example. The man has everything. Richest king. One of the richest people to ever live. He builds, he goes into architecture and builds all this stuff. He he gives himself to wine. He gives himself to intoxication. He gives himself to mirth and the laughter. He has men singers and women singers. He has 300 wives, 700 concubines. Like I could handle one woman. <laughs> Only one. Amen. Okay. That's probably why he broke the book of Ecclesiastes. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. I'm sorry. Amen. Moving right along, moving right along. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But but how I many you know he had everything that anyone could ever want ever. And you know what? If you look at the book book of Ecclesiastes, the tone in that book is misery. He's always saying vanity of vanities. And what that means in our vernacular is everything's empty. Why? Because at that time in his life, he had stopped serving God. At that time in his life, um, his heart had turned from God. And so he was pursuing everything this world had to offer, and it was not bringing him to a place of happiness. And at the very end of the book, you see him return back to God. And he said, this is what is good. Let a man serve God. Because how many know that when the Lord's in the center place of your life, that's when things are healthy and things are good. Amen? But that's actually not specifically what I want to talk about. Let's take a look. We're in Matthew. And in verse, in chapter 20, and in verse 1, there is a, there's a description of the kingdom of heaven. And it says, I'm just going to read you this whole account, and then we're going to teach on this for just a little bit. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he'd agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day or one day's wage, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them also, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and he found others standing idle and said to to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. Now, I want to show you that one group had a contract with him. He said, I'm going to pay you this for a day's wage. And they agreed. Everyone else went out into the vineyard based upon his goodness. He said, I'll do what's right by you. They didn't have a contract. They didn't have, I work and you owe me. They had a, I'm going to do what's right by you. So the first group were trusting in their ability to earn a wage. The second group, listen, were trusting in the master's goodness. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a full day's wage. So I know many of you know this account, but we're just going to refresh it real quick. The 11th hour worker, what does that mean? These people worked 60 minutes, one hour. And they were the first ones to get paid. And they received a full day's wage. Now, do you think those people were thankful? Do you think those people were in awe of the goodness of the master? Happiest people out there that day, the 11th hour worker. Like you guys, y'all probably understand this passage way better than I do. Because this is an agricultural community. Like, I love driving in here outside of the stop signs. I love driving and just seeing the beauty of your fields. Like, it, it blesses me. It, there's so much life around here. And so, you, and farm work's hard work. And, you know, it takes hard work to, to get things done around here. And if someone came to your farm or to your business and worked for you one hour, And they got a full day's wage. How many know that's a happy worker? For a couple reasons. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Number one, they received something they didn't deserve. And so, and their focus was not on their labors. Their focus is on the goodness of the master. I guarantee you when they got their paycheck, they were looking back at him like, that dude's cool. I like that guy. Just looking at him, probably like a little twinkle in their eye like, man, that's a, that guy's good. Praise God. And so the 11th hour worker, they receive their wage, and they're like, man, that guy's good. And then they're in line. Everybody's getting paid, and they're walking back like, hey, man, we got a full day's wage. What's up? It's a good day. Let's go eat. But now the first hour worker is at the end of the line and they're coming forward, and they're coming forward. Now, their eyes are not on the goodness of the master. Their eyes are on their labor. Now, they are suddenly thinking that their labor is going to be worth more than the contract because they labored all day. They are coming forward in the line with a... This guy owes me mindset. Because if these first-hour workers got a day's wage, if these one-hour workers got a day's wage, I worked 11 hours, so I'm probably going to get 11 days' wages. So as they're coming up in line going towards the master, they're looking at their labor. They're conscious of what they've done, and they have a mindset of this guy owes me. When they get to the end of the line, the master gives them the agreed upon wages of the contract of the full day's work. And he gives them a denarius or one full day's worth of wage. They were furious. They were angry. They were mad. Let's, let's read exactly what happened. It says, and, and likewise, they received, all right, verse Ten. Verse nine. And when those who came were hired about the eleventh hour, they received a denarius one day's wage. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a day's wage. And when they received it, they complained against the master. They complained against the landowner. Now, what ends up happening is, listen to me. They start accusing people. They accuse the master. And they accuse the one-hour worker. Who's the happiest people there? The, the one-hour workers, right? The 11th hour worker. Who's the most miserable people? The people who are focused on what they've done and what's owed them. The people who are focused on what they've done and what's owed them. What's owed them. What's owed to them. The enemy is always trying to get you out of a mindset of gratitude and thankfulness into a mindset of somebody owes me something. Because I, because I, because I did this, because I did that. And so when you carry this mindset of somebody owes me something, you're going to be sitting there disgruntled, and accusing because you're weighing everyone else's performance c- compared to your own. Well, Sister So and so, she didn't do this, and I did this, and I should have because I, and this mindset of everybody owes me comes, and you know what happens to your gratitude? It evaporates. And in that state of unthankfulness, in that state of no gratitude, in that state of no thanksgiving, no matter what you have, you can't enjoy it because you're too busy measuring yourself with everybody else, determining what's owed to you. That mindset will poison your happiness. And no matter what you get, no matter what happens to you, you don't feel like it's going to be what you deserve. And as a result of that, you'll spend your time criticizing the people around you, miserable, and you can even fall over into the place of criticizing God. Well, they received their healing. Why didn't I receive mine? I've served, I've done this, I've done that, I, 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 I. The the, the greatest recipe for misery is to be self-focused. The greatest recipe for happiness is to be Jesus-focused. See, you can try to approach God through a contract of what he owes you, because of what you've done and you're going to be real frustrated because God don't owe you anything he will never owe you anything God owes us nothing ever never no one is ever going to bring God in debt to themselves We just have to pause and let that sink in for a moment. Now, here's the thing. God will give you everything for free through Jesus Christ. But it must be a gift. It must not be earned. How many of it's by grace through faith? But we, we are so prone as humans to falling into this, you owe me, debt mentality that we think that we move God with our obedience or what we've done and I'm telling you right now if you approach God like that you're going to be very very frustrated (laughs) because you're actually not going to get anything at all because you're trying to earn something that's free And you actually, you, it voids out faith. And see, we understand this when we think about salvation. Like, I feel like we're all at this place, like, nobody's going to get to heaven and be, like, knocking on the door and be like, I deserve to be here. I'm awesome. I have earned my way to the throne of God. I am amazing. How great I am. How great I am. How many know most of us in these circles realize that we're saved by faith through grace? Like, we're gonna get to heaven, and I'm gonna throw my crown at his feet just as fast as I can get it because I know the only reason I'm there is because he pulled me out of the pit. How many know we have an understanding of the fact that salvation, the the product of of being born again, is receiving Jesus as Savior? How many know the thief on the cross didn't have an opportunity to do one good deed? I'm so glad he got saved. He helps me out so much because that dude did nothing. He was a crucified thief. Not one good deed, not one good thing, but he did the only thing that matters, he believed. And he's saved. Can I get an amen? So we understand that our salvation is by faith, but, but, but is a, we understand our salvation is a gift. But do you know that healing is the same way? Do you know that even financial provision is the same way? Do you know that protection is the same way? Do you know that uh, blessing on your marriage and your relationships, all these things are the same thing? You don't get saved by faith through grace and then go into works for the promises of God. I'm going to say it a couple more times. You, you don't get saved by grace through faith and go into works for the promises of God. You don't impress God enough for God to heal you. Hey, God, look at me. I'm serving in church. Heal me. If you are going to God based upon what you deserve, you're going to be frustrated because you can't receive healing like that because it's too expensive. It costs the stripes on Jesus' back for you to be healed. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It's not faith if you deserve it. And so the enemy's always trying to get this works mindset into you. Because if that works mindset comes into your mind, faith will be voided. You will live disgruntled, mad at God because you're not seeing him do things that you've asked him to do, and judging everybody around you if someone else gets a blessing that you didn't get. If someone else happens in their life, you think, well, God, why did they get it and I didn't get it? What's wrong? So you start looking around, and instead of becoming a receiver, you become a critic. Instead of becoming a receiver, you become a critic. Sit back and judge. And we slip over into this mentality of you owe me. Rather than this mentality of thank you, God. Thank you, God. Listen, when you're thankful, you're happy. So simple, isn't it? It's so easy for us to forget. When you're thankful, you're happy. When you're not thankful, you're not. Always say it like this. You can check your spiritual temperature. By your level of gratitude. When you are thankful, you're happy. How many know when you're thankful, you're perceiving things correctly? That's clear perception. How many know if God never did one more thing for us for the rest of our lives? We have eternity to be thankful. But the reality is, is God wants to continue to do things for you all the time. But if you slip out of the 11th hour mindset of gratitude and thankfulness and trusting in the goodness of the master, and you start looking at the labor of your hands and your contract and what you've accomplished and what you've done, you will leave grace and faith and you'll try to cut a side covenant with God not based on the cross, but based on you and what you've done. And I promise you, you will be unhappy. Here's the thing. There's no one in this room that's not susceptible to what I'm talking about, including myself. It's so easy to fall into this. So I'm not up here preaching at you. I'm preaching to all of us. Please understand that. How I many know, oh, and you know what it is? It's a, it's a simple adjustment in the way you view life. It's just a little turning of the wheel. <laughs> out of out of everybody else, me to thank you, God, for what you've done for me. How I many know. Oh, that, that one-hour worker, that 11th-hour worker the work, I guarantee you they weren't judging nobody. They, were, they was rolling low. They're like, we're getting up out of here, man. We got a full day's wage. Hallelujah. We thankful. Let's get some fried chicken. <laughs> you know, like, they ain't judging nobody. They're like, we are, hey, hallelujah. We did nothing. We got paid. We love all y'all. Peace. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that their day was better than the other day right and it was because they were thankful how many know that no matter how long we've been in the fields in our service to God we can have an 11th hour mindset we can stay the younger brother we don't have to be the elder brother it's not an issue of age it's not an issue of time it's an issue of perspective and mindset if God can keep you thankful, he'll just pour out blessing on you and pour out blessing on you. The worst thing you can do is look to somebody else and compare yourself to somebody else. That is a recipe for disaster. How many of the disciples did it? I love Peter. Peter come up. I love Peter because Peter says what everybody else is thinking. Peter came up to Jesus. and said, what about John? What's up with that dude? Always got his head on, on, on your chest and like calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loves and floating through life like Mary Poppins. What's up with him? He got no anger issues. He's just, what is wrong with this man? And, and, you know, Peter was like, Peter got caught up in John. And I love what Jesus said to Peter. And basically he said, mind your own business. What is it to you if he stays until I come? And so they misinterpreted that thought, hey, man, John is never dying. That's what they thought. But that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said, and then Jesus started revealing to Peter his call. He said, you will walk with me. You're going to serve me. You're going to lead. You're going to be awesome. But you're never going to be John. You're always going to be Peter. Be happy being Peter. Because if you become John, then the world is denied Peter, and the world needs a Peter. When the book of Acts and the Spirit of God fell, they didn't need John to stand up. They needed Peter to stand up. They needed him to get up on the stage, open his mouth, and declare the goodness of God in the new covenant. And with one swoop of the Spirit of God, 3,000 people were saved. Peter was healing people with his shadow, signs and wonders and miracles. They needed a leader. They didn't need John. They needed Peter. And if Peter tried to turn himself into John... Peter would have been frustrated. John would have been frustrated. Everybody would have been frustrated. You are not called to be somebody else. You are called to be you. Get comfortable being you because we need you. You know, in this camp, as we're flowing together in all of our graces and stuff like that, I have things that I'm graced in, things that I'm not graced in. There are things that I am awful at. And, like, I need to pass that on to somebody who's good at it because I can't be them, they can't be me, but together we can be Christ. We can be the body. But if I get myself caught up, like, I couldn't lead worship. I couldn't lead angels in worship. But when I, In my younger days, I thought I was a worship leader for, like, a weekend. Bunch of youth, me on the, on the Congo drums with my eyes closed caught up wearing some kids out wearing my wife out my wife like what are you doing you were not called to sing (laughs) like yeah but I love Jesus and I'm just caught up but it's so amazing I'm like la 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 kumbaya my lord (laughs) now I can play an instrument I can do stuff like that but I don't got the gift I can't do it so I will never be Tom amen but if I can be me, then I can appreciate Christ in Tom. I will never be Tammy. Tammy's administrative. I'm not administrative like she's administrative. So I'll let Tammy be Tammy, and I can be me. I can run around, eat chocolate bars, and throw footballs. <laughs> the things I like to do, right? But I say all that to say this. Don't let the enemy get you into comparison mode. Don't let the enemy get you into everybody owes me mode. Just take that wheel and turn it to gratitude. Y'all tracking me here? Y'all tracking me here? Because listen, when you are thankful, you're happy. Right? How many of you know it's the simplest thing in the world to get out of being grumbling and complaining and thinking everybody owes you and God owes you and get right over into gratitude? All you gotta do is just think about all the things the Lord has done, right? Don't think about what you haven't seen. Think about what the Lord has done. And I'll say one more thing and I'm gonna close, and this is actually really important. This is extremely important. Your faith does not move God, God is sitting down because His work is finished. You know what God's doing this morning? He's sitting down. What scripture says, what's Jesus doing right next to him? Sitting down 2,000 years ago, God did everything that He needed to do. It's really important to understand because, and let me give you an example that'll help you understand it. How many of you know that? If I call the electric company, and some of y'all probably heard this analogy before, but it's important to remember because if you start thinking you got to do something to make God move and make God owe you, you're going to live miserable, and you're actually not going to like God very much when things don't happen the way you want them to happen. You're going to sing, Jesus loves me, Jesus loved me in church, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, God is not my friend. He won't even heal me. He won't even save my granddaughter. He won't even, he won't even, he won't even. If I call the electric company, I'm like, hey, look, My TV's not on. My lights aren't on. My air conditioning's not on. I need y'all to come to my house and turn that stuff on. What are they going to do? They're going to hang up on me. Because they're not called to turn my lights on and my air conditioning on and my TV on. They're only called to supply the power. 2,000 years ago through the cross, the power has been supplied for everything that you need. Your faith is not moving God. Your faith is plugging into what God has already provided. It's, the mo- it's one of the most important paradigms you're going to get. Because if you think that your faith moves God, you're thinking God's not very cool. Because if I were God, I'd heal me. If I were God, I'd bless my business. If I were God, I would save this person or this person wouldn't be born like that or that person wouldn't be born. like If I were God... No, no, God is sitting down because 2,000 years ago he said it is finished and it was. Now the spirit of God is among us to coach us and teach us how to plug into the already present power to heal you, to prosper you, to protect you, to save you, to give you wisdom, all of these things. By faith through grace. Can I get an amen? Like when we took authority over what Tom's dealing with, we were not asking God to heal him. We're not asking if it's God's will to heal him. No, no. The stripes of Jesus. Anybody seen The Passion of Christ? The stripes of Jesus clearly show it's God's will to heal. Scripture declares it's God. You've got to settle that in your mind. Because if there's one question in your mind of whether it's his will or not, the enemy will talk you out of it. No, we didn't come to ask God to heal Tom. We came to declare over Tom what God has already said about him. And we took authority over the attack. And we spoke life. Because we're not trying to get God to move. Listen, God has already moved. You know that song, We Need to Move, We Need to Move? In my mind, I'm thinking, We need to move, we need to move. When we're singing that, that's cool. That's what I'm thinking when you're singing it. Because God moved. It's our turn. Now listen, that doesn't put pressure on you. That doesn't put pressure on us. But we just speak in belief and do what He tells us to do. Can you get an amen? How many know that, that we were plugging into the power that was already present? How many know when some of those songs we were singing? How many know God never tells you to pray about your mountain. And I'm not saying you don't talk to God and pour your heart out, but how many know? Where you're called to speak to your mountain. And I know y'all know this in this church because y'all learn this stuff, but you speak to it. You have the power, you have the authority. And when you understand that, you'll stop being upset at God when you think that He's not moving. No, no, no. God has moved, and we are learning how to plug into that power. Sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't. How many of you know we're all learning? You're never gonna stop learning. But listen. Stop blaming God for bad things that have happened Because it's actually not his fault And I'll take it a step further Stop blaming anybody else either Don't blame God and don't blame someone Well, they just didn't have enough faith Well, they were in sin Well, well, well Shut all that up Stop blaming anybody Do you know there are some things That you're not going to understand Until you get to the other side? The longer I live, the more I realize that There's a time in my life when I had it off. I thought I had it all figured out. I had gotten in a nice, neat little box and had, had a little bow on it. And the longer I live, I realize there's some things I just don't know. And I'm not going to know. And you know what? I'm finally okay with that. Like my daughter, and I close right here. When she has a poopy diaper, any men change poopy diapers in here? Good job. Does it take y'all, like my wife can change a diaper with like half a wipe? Like it can be just an absolute apocalyptic diaper. And my wife's like, I just need a small corner of the wipe and I'll clean it up. I need 72 wipes <laughs> to change the average diaper. I'm like, keep them coming, keep them coming, kids. Ethan, hand me some wipes. I need a, I need I need. I mean, there's, like, a pile of wipes, like, the size of, like, a a small human next to me, you know, and my wife just needs half a wipe. Anyway, but I have times when I'm I'm changing my daughter's diaper, and let me tell you something. She don't want her diaper changed. She's a go-getter. She wants to play. Leave me alone. I don't care. Let me play. Let me play. Let me run. Let me run. But how many know that that child needs their diaper changed? Now, here's the thing. She don't know she needs her diaper changed, but I do. So I have to get her and sometimes wrestle her, hold her down. She's like MMA on me, man, just like dropping an arm lock on me and all this stuff, and I'm just trying to change her diaper. But listen, this is important. I don't have the ability to convey to her mind why. The only thing I need from her is just trust me. I I know you don't know why you're going through this, but this is actually for your good and so why because I can't explain it to her I won't be able to explain it to her for quite some time and I believe that just as my daughter can not understand why sometimes us humans in our little finite minds we can't understand the why's sometimes and we just have to trust him and let me tell you something when you get to the other side you're going to find out that God was way better than what you ever dreamed or you ever imagined. When he starts explaining to you all the warfare that was happening in the background and all the things that were going on, we're going to find out that God... Was, you know, there's a time when Daniel prayed and it took 21 days for the angel to get there. There's another time where he prayed, it took three minutes and he was there. How many of you know there's more going on than what we see? Amen? And so... My encouragement to you is adjust your will and get back to thankfulness. Can I get an amen on that? Adjust your will, get back to thankfulness, and you know what's going to happen to you? And then stop looking at everybody else. Stop thinking somebody owes you. Get that owe me mentality out of you. Stop being a critic. Stop judging everybody. How many are you supposed to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Y'all understand your own... <laughs> Work out your own. How I many God said, you, you, you be concerned about you. How I mean, we tell our kids that all the time. But then we get in church and think everybody else's business is our business. <laughs> kids be playing, be like, you mind yourself. Yeah, but she said that. No, you mind yourself. We convey that to our children. Then we get in church and think everybody's business is our business. How many know when you start taking care of you, then God can take care of everything else that needs to be taken care of? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Right? And then you know what's going to happen? How many know it's worth it to be happy? I'll take happiness. So adjust the wheel. Let the gratitude flow. Be thankful. Don't criticize. Don't judge. Let's not join the spirit of this world. Do you know there's all kinds of offended, angry people out there right now? Christian and non-Christian. I'm not joining the parade. I'll pass. If I'm standing in line and somebody next to me is complaining like crazy, I don't agree with them. I turn away from them. Why? Because I'm not joining that. Don't join in with the complaining and fault-finding and offense. I mean, that's that's not the spirit that we're of. Can I get an Amen. We are thankful people, amen? We are happy people. We are blessed people, amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, please. <laughs> Tammy, I'm, I'm ready if you want